It's getting a little buttery here on a Tuesday with Mike Tarico, our special guest. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a pleasant good Tuesday, everybody. Locked on Lions, Locked on Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you. Thanks for making us your first listen and checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Tuesday, January 23rd and Wednesday, January 24th. Mike Tirico, the voice of Sunday Night Football on NBC, the man that has been on the call the last two weeks, Lions Rams, Lions Bucks, will join us momentarily on the podcast. Very excited about Mike coming on tomorrow. Special guest. That's all I will say. You're not going to believe it, but he's coming on tomorrow right here on Lockdown Lions. Thanks for making us your first listen and checking us out wherever you get your podcasts, including subscribing on our Lockdown Lions YouTube channel. We're close to 10,000 subscribers. Please, please subscribe and check us out every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Follow us on Twitter at Dairy Speaks, at Lockdown Lions on Twitter, Matt Dairy Facebook fan page on Threads at The Real Matt Dairy, and also, like I said, on our Lockdown Lions YouTube channel. Nothing's changed. Lions are getting ready to take on San Francisco. You got Colin Cowherd on Fox saying Detroit matches up with San Francisco, Just has just as much talent. Then you got some of the, the wise guys out in Vegas. That spread has stayed at seven. You got some of the heavy-duty analytical people, like my guy Cleve T.A. and others, that are saying, listen, look at the numbers. San Francisco 49er defense is number one against the middle-of-the-field action. Passing game, stuff in the middle of the field. That's where the Niners shine. That's where the Lions shine. And that's going to be a concern for me We'll talk about it on Thursday with Brian Peacock from Lockdown Niners. Same type of thing. Lions do a lot of damage, middle of the field, sometimes dink and dunk. Uh, 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 I'm Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta. They live in the middle of the field. Well, the Niners, their linebackers, Dre Greenlaw uh, uh, and Fred Warner, are fantastic linebackers and can play the run and pass. That's going to be a matchup to watch. And maybe that's why the spread is seven. Maybe the Lions having to go outdoors and play on grass. Uh, our crack research staff earlier today was sending me some info uh, on the Lions. Hang on, I'm going to get this right now because and this shows how prepared I was tonight. But Lions on grass, um, the last two years, Lions are three and two playing on grass this year. Lost at Chicago and at Baltimore. Um, San Francisco's 15 games on grass this year, the second most in the NFL. They're 16 games, and they went 11 and five on grass. All right, Lions under Dan Campbell, five seven and one playing on grass. Look, Lions are used to that fast track in the dome. And you're right when they played in Baltimore on grass, whether it was it didn't matter that day. The Ravens were just better. Lions losing in Chicago. We'll see if that all plays a role here. I think the Lions have a very good chance this weekend. I think if we see that Niner team from Saturday night that escaped against Green Bay, I think the Lions can win. But San Francisco is very, very good talent. We know that. 
And we'll find out more tomorrow about Debo Samuel, but McCaffrey and Ayuk and Kittle. All right. And like I said, their linebackers are very good and their D line did not play well this week. You know, they're going to be motivated to look better than they did last week. Great conversation with Mike Tarico from NBC coming up next right here on Locked On Lions. It's a Tuesday edition. NFC Championship game Sunday, 6.30. Lions and San Francisco 49ers. Mike T from NBC next. But first, we got to tell you about FanDuel NFL regular season done. Playoffs almost done. Guys, this is the big weekend for you. You only got two games. You want to put some money down? You want to scratch that itch? No better time to get in on the action for Championship Sunday than with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and much, much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, this man has been the TV voice of the Lions the last two weeks and undefeated calling Lions games going back to last season. As promised, Mike Tirico from NBC. One of the best uh, play-by-play guys there is around in uh, Mr. Ford Field. 4-0. 4-0. I didn't even think about that. Green Bay last year. Yeah, so yes. let's see. So the Lions have played, what, 17, 19 games this year, right? And they right. won so... I guess in the last 20, uh, our crew, me and Chris and Melissa, 4-0. So I guess uh, I guess we'll take – I guess we're welcomed uh, for the Allen Park cornbread. <laughs> as you would say. Hey, you, Mike, you know the ovens are hot. Uh, we, we've talked about the butter for years, but but it's real now. What 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 was the last two weeks like for you? And you got to stay home, which yeah. was nice. But, man, what uh, what an atmosphere uh, to, to be around. Best you've ever been around, do you think? Uh, all, all, jo- all jokes aside, it – it rivals the 06 through 10 Superdome New Orleans deal. Now, the 06 Superdome, when they reopened the place uh, after Hurricane Katrina and all of that, that place was nuts from the start in a very similar fashion. And it was just a different energy to it. But I would say sustained through the two games. I don't remember being in a football building like that. It felt like being in a 16,000 seat NBA arena in Portland or uh, the palace when the Pistons were great. Uh, I'll tell you the one it reminded me of Matt. So the Pistons win the title and, and you were such a part of it, right? Uh, yeah. In 04. Then the next year play the Spurs in the finals. So game seven of that series back in San Antonio, we do the pregame on ABC at eight 30 and the tip is kind of nice when we hand off uh, to the guys calling the game. The Spurs and the Pistons run out at about 8.34. The whole place stayed on their feet and cheered the entire warm-ups. That was the coolest thing I had ever seen until the start of the game with the Rams. And and I thought for people who were there, maybe they can feel the same or different about this. I thought the energy in the building before the Rams game was at a higher peak than it was before the kickoff of the last game against the Buccaneers. But I thought the sustained build through the Tampa game was real. 
Uh, I thought the fans were brilliant and how quiet they were when the Lions had the ball and how raucous it was to see opposing players, to see Baker Mayfield after the game. See guys make comments about, wow, that was one of the cooler environments I've played in, I think says a lot about what it was like there. I don't know if it'll ever be like that again because it's not going to be 30 years and brand new feel to it again. Uh, but, man, it was uh, cool and an experience, uh, as I told a bunch of the folks in the Lions front office, uh, that's uh, that's an eight days I'll never forget for sure. I love it. I also love that you brought up the 05 finals because I was rooting against the Pistons. I just wanted to go home because I was rooming with Stoney at the Best Western and I couldn't okay. take it anymore. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That, that's a lot. So I, I understand that. But, uh, you know. Those those were those were good times, and if you really think about it, um, you know it's. I'm going to just go my 25 years of living here in Southeast Michigan. If you really think about it, each team's had a really great run. Yeah, you got you had obviously the Wings runs with the titles and the cups and Hockey Town, and we lived through Detroit basketball, saw them to all those conference finals, win a title, then almost win another one. Um, then we saw after that, obviously the success of the Tigers going from the bottom to the top. And now you're seeing it with the Lions sustained success. No long drought here in playoff success the last seven years for the four professional sports. Uh, but when you look at each team, if you are 25 or older, you've enjoyed a really good run in your lifetime with all of these teams and not many four market teams can say that. So it's pretty good. Mike Tirico with us, NBC Sports. Why are the Lions good? Like, it's going to mm -hmm. be sustainable because they're young, but what, can you put your finger on why this team is doing this now? Well-built. Well-built uh, and a roster that all 53, 48 uh, up for the game contribute. Uh, let's start with, like, Jalen Reeves-Maven. Excellent personal protector. Excellent special teams. Out there in key spots and making multiple tackles when the game's on the line, Right not just a special teams wizard who we don't see the rest of the game. Craig Reynolds, no carry since week eight, fourth down, Craig Reynolds touchdown. Craig Reynolds key block week six in Tampa. Uh, the Derek Barnes interception, right? When you're listing Lions linebackers, fourth, maybe fifth Derek Barnes gets mentioned uh, when you start running through the guys, probably fourth. But a huge play, right? One of those, an interception you'll be seeing for many years to come type of moments in a big spot on the field there. The depth of the roster, it all contributes. Um, you lose a really good left guard. You don't really notice a drop-off in the offensive line play. As a matter of fact, the second half of the offensive line plays even better. So that's a complete roster, and that's, of course, Brad Holmes. It's, of course, the scouting, but it's the position coaches too. Matt, I think this is a well-coached team. You didn't see a lot of mental screw-ups. You saw very few penalties these first two playoff games. That's a well-coached football team. And to me, that's why this team has continued to succeed and succeed and succeed. There are very good players. You don't have a ton of first-team all-pros. The, the Niners have more like first-team all-pro type players. The Chiefs might, right? This team has just built all the way across the board with high quality. And it's scouting. It's the approach, they all fit the system, but it's coaching too. Go down linebackers coach, running backs coach. You go across the board. I think it's a well-coached team, and that's the difference to me. 
after the Rams game, you dropped an SOL in there. And obviously you were just doing it because Collinsworth kind of, Chris kind of asked you like, Hey, Mike, you've lived here and you brought it up. Um, it gave people goosebumps. People love that call because you kind of culminated and, and, and put it all together as to what they, they've been through. And what I was impressed by last week was they weren't, they didn't let down. It right. wasn't like they just won one game and there was the Stafford game and everything else. They, they had that same intensity that, that tells you what this organization's about. Doesn't it? It, it does. And I'll let you in on something. I didn't know Chris was going to say that I was just getting ready to, to kind of stamp the moment and just mention that the Lions won for the first time in 32 years and lay out. I was just going to let the crowd take it. Uh, and I wasn't expecting Chris to ask me that. And so I waited for the snap from Goff, and I just wanted to take a couple of seconds to collect my thoughts of what the best thing to say. And that's a trigger phrase for a lot of Lions I, fans. I know, I know. <laughs> but, but I just wanted to almost bury it for people, right? Because yeah. you can kind of look back now and bury it there because they weren't. They, they had their moment on a big stage with uh, the old – boyfriend coming back to town, the whole deal, everything working against them. And they kind of slayed that a little bit and they've moved past what the narrative has been for a long time. And, you know, hopefully for the fans who have kind of suffered through it, they felt the connection of being able to put that in the rear view mirror. And I think that's why the passion has been there and so real. And you're right. They didn't fall back into a trap in the second game. And that was a hard game. I believed more in Tampa the longer I studied them. I, I thought, and you know, it was with Chris and the rest of our group, that they had equations. I was surprised they didn't pressure more. I'm really surprised they didn't take more deep shots down the field. I thought the pressure that Aaron Glenn brought early was really a wrinkle that maybe Tampa wasn't counting on, wasn't expecting, but changed the tone of the game because I feel like that stayed in Dave Canales' head and Baker Mayfield's head throughout. Get it out quick. I thought with their speed in a couple of spots, they should have taken a few more shots down the field. But credit the Lions. They may have taken that page out of their, ga- out of their game plan by what they did very early in the game. You haven't called a ton of games at Ford Field, obviously the last no. two, but you, you've been there as a fan and you've, 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 you've been around here long enough. Chance of Jared Goff an hour and a half before the first game against the Rams. I mean, lock him up now. I mean, what what can you say, right? He's, he's going to get the bag, as they say, right? crazy to imagine it was you know like a pre-game for an nhl stanley cup game seven kind of feel right uh i i think i think these are fans that are geared towards uh hockey and basketball and being in the building like that and they they just knew that their guy needed to know you're our guy and I thought that was really cool. They, if you doubt the intelligence, the smarts, the savvy, the understanding of a moment for a fan base, that was it right there. And that's as good an example. You're not going to get many buildings that would have done that. So full credit to the knowledge base of the fans knowing, here's what our guy needs. And we're going we're gonna to make him feel like a million bucks. And it did. He said it made him feel great, great calm and poised. And he played with it. He's throwing the ball great. He's throwing the ball sensationally. And now, after he is kind of pushed out of L.A., and understandably so, the Rams won a Super Bowl. The trade worked out both ways. It really did. Short-term L.A., longer-term Detroit. Yeah. The Rams are in a good position to continue to grow. They've done a nice job on the back end, right? So Jared Goff was kind of dismissed from his first home. And, and Matt, he told us something. I just alluded to it quickly in the broadcast. I thought it was – 
pretty interesting. And this was when they were getting ready to play the Rams, not playing the Bucks. He said, when you're the number one overall pick, you lose the chip on your shoulder. Like the whole, I was under-recruited, didn't play on great teams at Cal in college. That was his chip on his shoulder. But then when you're the number one overall pick, you're supposed to be the guy. Right. You're supposed to be the one who's the face of the franchise and always does it right. And by being pushed out of L.A., it changed things for him. And now he had a chip back on his shoulder. And he brought up to us, this is before the Rams game, it's kind of like Baker Mayfield in Tampa, right, where he had the deal in Cleveland. Now I need to tell you about that. And then they move on. He goes to Carolina. It doesn't work. Shows up for the Rams. Two days later, wins a game, wins one game in, in that setting. But like Sean McVay helps rebuild some confidence there. And now he ends up in a great situation at Tampa. And he's going to get paid quite well, yeah. I would imagine, uh, given the market of quarterbacks. So Jared Goff kind of figured it out and found the right place at the right time. But to the credit of this staff, and I go back to the depth of the position coaches, Matt, he's improved. He's gotten better. He's taking control of things. Now, Dan and those guys said, hey, you you run the show. Like, you you call off checks. Don't don't let Ragnow do everything. You, you can veto. And he's done it really well. Um, he's a leader. His steadiness matters. The reception when he came into the locker room after the Rams game, priceless. <laughs> all, that, all that crap is real. It's genuine. It's great to see that a guy who was part of the deal because of cap purposes, a placeholder, hey, a couple of years is great. You know, even like week seven, eight, I'm driving around. I'm hearing, hey, when Hendon Hooker is ready, I know. throw him yeah. in, right? And all <laughs> stuff. You know, Jared Goff has just kind of proven himself. And now he gets to go home uh, from Marin High School, played his college ball at Cal. He gets a chance to go back in front of family and friends and represent his new home in Detroit and try to get the Lions to the Super Bowl, which is a, an improbable story for almost anyone two years ago, last year, even the start of this season. The voice of Sunday Night Football on NBC, Mike Tirico with us here on Locked on Lions. You mentioned it before about culture and everything else. You've been around a lot of teams. You've covered a lot of teams. You've called a lot of games for a lot of teams. Do you remember a team like this where everybody's on the same page? No sniping. I mean, heck, even the guys loved Coldwell, but there were some jerks on that team that they had to get rid mm -hmm. of when right. Patricia got there. And it, and obviously the Patricia era with Quinn was a disaster. And even Wayne Fonts had his detractors. We're seeing that now with the Barry documentary. This right. team, there's like none. Have you ever seen yeah. a team like this that just gets along so well and is is so on one heartbeat? You, you get a few of these every once in a while, like those early Saints teams. And Dan Campbell's a part of that situation there in New Orleans. They always had a sense that everybody was on the same page hmm. and kind of going in the right direction, right? And uh, Sean Payton would call them baseball bat games, like the, you need to bring a toughness, and all the guys would buy in. There seems to be buy-in here. And there are other teams along the way, but I think everybody settling into what they had to overcome with the history of the franchise and those long odds. I think a lot of the individual stories have that in their DNA as well. I think this roster was intentionally selected with people of that DNA of that character. So it is, um, it's a rare group that feels like it is a really strong bound together group, whether they win or lose in San Francisco, it's a remarkable season. And Detroit looks like a place around the league where guys are like, I, I'd, I'd like to play there. 
You know, that's a that's a hell of a room. That's mm-hmm. a hell of an environment. The fans, the last two games, helped the Lions in free agency going forward. People watch that and go, I've never seen – guys in the league. I talked to some folks who are coaching. Like, I've never seen a situation like that in the league, that kind of atmosphere, that kind of energy. That makes it kind of a place people want to be. So uh, there's a long-term residual positive to this, uh, what's happened. And listen, one other quick thing, Matt. You're right. The the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia era did not produce anything near the results that they wanted. The change needed to be made. And they took something that Jim Caldwell had built to a playoff level, and it went down. Having said all that, there are things structurally in place that were missing, like a draft room dedicated just to the draft year round. Right. Other facilities things that were not of par, up to par, compared to other places in the league that would not have been there without those guys. So, of course, your focus is going to be right here. But the plate they left the place, the physical place, much more like an NFL facility. And that helped the opportunity for this group coming in. I don't think that'll get talked about much. I don't think they're looking for bows for it. But I think along the way here, it's worth kind of checking these mileposts too, that uh, there were things that were done in that era that have helped this group uh, get going to a really good start. And it's been three remarkable years with Holmes, Quinn, and what Sheila Hamp has uh, really led. And and let's not forget Chris Spielman. I I think Sheila and Rodwood, president, of the team getting Chris Spielman in there first, because look, it went, when Chris Spielman is the one sitting there with Sheila and Rod as part of the lead group on these interviews, you th- you think Chris Spielman didn't connect with what Dan Campbell was selling? Oh, of right? course. And <laughs> that's where to me, the DNA spine of this organization success the last three years truly lies. Chris lies in the weeds, doesn't, doesn't look for the camera. He's not around much to be seen, but Chris Spielman's fingerprints are all over this franchise, and don't forget it. I thought you were going to tell me you haven't heard a dome that loud since 92 up at the dome when the Chris Gedney game against the uh, Warren Sapp and the Canes. That's just some inside bits I had to throw out there. You, you, you got that? I can give you 87, Syracuse, West Virginia. I can give you Georgetown, <laughs> Syracuse, 85. Hey, I've been in some loud domes, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what. So, I, hey, I said it right before kickoff. The atmosphere is too good. I'm just going to shut up. And yeah. there was nothing we could add to build up that game more than the fans. And, like, most of the third downs, we I just kind of bailed. I, like, you, you'll figure out who gets the ball when they get it. Uh, the crowd was just so good and intense. And uh, as the game got tighter, the crowd got better. And that was uh, – they brought it for all eight quarters. So the Lions haven't trailed in the playoffs. Tampa kept tying them, kept it. They have not trailed in these playoffs. It's a pretty – remarkable place to play from when you consider how long it has been to see them in a playoff game. Who taught you that to just shut up? And it's television. Now, obviously, you know, it's not, you started in radio, uh, same, you know, obviously we started at the same place, but like who taught you that for TV just to go, why do I even just say anything? Yeah. I I, I think watching over the years and being critical of what you do, you kind of realize, you know, sometimes you're enhancing it. Sometimes you're taking away from it we all try to lay out at certain points when the crowd's good. Uh, We did it in 06 when the saints had that return post Katrina game and uh, blocked a punt on the fourth snap of the game. Uh, And that just always stuck with me. College football, we did it a bunch. 
I think the guy who I watch now, who's a friend, who I text texted back and forth with on Sunday morning before the game, is Joe Buck. Joe Joe does that a lot. Summerall did it a lot. And uh, the more I've done it, you got to pick your spots. But when the building's great, there's almost nothing you can say it's going to make it better. So if it's important information, you make that decision on the fly. And there are like four or five times I was ready to say something to say, hey, you know, Trey Palmer checked in, he's in the slot, or this or that. And it's like, you know what, we'll get to it. It doesn't matter. There's, there's nothing better than what this crowd's doing. And you can feel the buildup as soon as it becomes third down. Like, are they just going to give you the half-hearted towel wave or are people, like, <laughs> yeah. ready to roll, right? And uh, and you just get a feel for that. Why are the Lions seven-point underdogs on Sunday, do you think, to San Francisco? Interesting question. San Francisco has been terrific at home, so you start there. Probably take a turf team and go on grass, and maybe that adds a, a little bit to it. You know, take a team that's been to multiple conference championship games. A lot of the players played in the conference championship game last year take that and factor in the new height of the grass for the lions in a game like this. Maybe it's all those things. I don't think they're that different from the Niners. Maybe the Niners are, are, you know, over the body of the year, uh, field goal better. I don't think the Niners that we saw Saturday night no. are better than the lions we've seen in the last two games. And I think green Bay is a good team. I, I, I do. Uh, I, I would say that, I would be a little more worried if I was a 49ers fan about Brock Purdy if I didn't see the last drive. I thought he was really good on the last drive and took him down the field for the touchdown, right? That that was maybe one of two drives the entire game that the Niners felt like the 49er team I have watched when they were really good during this season. Um, the question becomes, do they get into an offensive rhythm early, which they did not on Saturday night? Who knows if the weather impacted that? Or are they the team that played against Baltimore that struggled to get into an offensive rhythm? Most of the rest of the year, they got into an offensive rhythm on that first or second drive. And when they do that and start mixing it, it reminds me a lot of the Lions. They jump out to leads, and they're tough to catch because uh, they've got an explosiveness to them. Samuel's health will be important. I think what Kyle Shannon does as well as anybody is utilize uh, – Debo and Christian McCaffrey is interchangeable parts that gives them different looks out of the same play very often. If Debo's limited, if he's not 100%, that limits the chess game they can play. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle become the guys, and yeah. that's that's where it lies. If you can handle Ayuk and Kittle, you know, then the team's going to have a chance. Can they get a run game going? with McCaffrey against a run defense that statistically has been good. One of the reasons it's been good is because people throw on the lines. So a lot of things go into it. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't have set the number. I don't set numbers. I'm not good at that. The people who do it uh, get big bonuses every year. The people who do it help to the uh, building of brand new casinos out in Vegas on a yes. regular basis. Right. So they know where to set the number to get their action. I, I thought it was a high number to start with, but you know, hey, just one, one more one more log on the on the Lions fuel pile. Uh, I guess it is. Feels like a Jimmy Trainer podcast. All right, final <laughs> final thing, final thing. What concerns you about the Lions? Is it the corners? If Debo's healthy and Ayuk, like you mentioned, and even Johnson yeah. had a good game the other night, but is that the concern? 
Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. I think the safety play with the trio of players with Gardner Johnson back and our guy Melifonwu from Syracuse, you know, all orange. Um, I, I, th- I think that, that group with Joseph, obviously, the third, they've, they've been good. Linebackers are good, and we saw the variety of linebackers you can play. You know, there's no second-edge rusher, but the pressure has come. Now, will the pressure get to Purdy, or will he beat it with outlet stuff? McCaffrey's tough to stop. So, yeah, on the defensive side, obviously the corner's the concern. Sutton played a good game last week. Uh, you know, he's a good corner. He's had up-and-down moments within games, but in general, he's a good corner. He's been taking on a series of stud receivers, and the play's gotten better. Uh, will Vildor hold up on the other side as well? Uh, that's right now where the Lions are not individually strong. But I thought Aaron Glenn did a good job of giving them a chance with the variety of pressures that came from different places. Now you can do that again because now you've got that on tape, so you're chasing some different ghosts here. Um, and, and the other, the other, if if the 49ers offensive line, you know, you keep Hutchinson on the left defensive side, right? That keeps him away from Trent Williams. That's obviously a big advantage, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause Trent Williams can stop almost anybody in this league. He's as good as it gets. So that's, that's the spot. Obviously field goal kicking has been okay during this playoff run and, you know, across the offensive line. Now you, you lose Brock, Wright, But the tight end position seems to be okay. They were very confident in Ferkser when we did the first playoff game against the Rams, uh, that if Ferkser and Wright had to be the combo because of the injury to Laporta, they'd be okay. So it's a weird thing to say. It's a very complete team, very complete team that can go anywhere and beat anyone, and here's here's their chance to do it. And they have absolutely uh, as good a chance as anybody to go on the road and beat this number one seed. Mike, great to see you. Thanks so much as uh, as always. Uh, you were great the last two weeks, and uh, I know it'll be a little bit weird for you to not to be uh, on the headsets this weekend, but enjoy the games, my friend. It, it'll be fun. I texted Kevin Burkhart. I'm going to be kicked up with a drink, watching the game, and enjoying <laughs> Kevin and Greg and those guys have a have a good time. And I hope they get as good of games as we had the last two because those were uh, two games that were great playoff games and uh, personal. Uh, highlights of my career that I'll take forever. And I know you got a bunch of loyal Lions fans who listen. I, I thank them, uh, regardless of the outcome of the game, for uh, being a part of an atmosphere that uh, that's something we'll cherish for a long time, for sure. Thank you, brother. Great to see you. See you, Dees. Go Orange. All right. Great stuff with Mike Tirico. We got to tell you about Game Time. Best app there is to get yourself some tickets, ladies and gentlemen. Are you going out to San Francisco this weekend? If you're thinking about it and you're thinking about tickets, there's no better place to go than Game Time. It's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Heck, I just saw some Billboard Pinks coming to town in the fall. Get your tickets right now at Game Time. Right now, all users get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code Vegas 100 with killer, killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee game time takes a guesswork out of buying tickets. I'm telling you, they got the deals right up to the start of the game. Heck even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute seats and the views from your seat on the game time app are the best. 
Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, again, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app. Use code Vegas100, V E G A S100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And that'll do it for us here on Locked On Lions. Again, thanks to Mike Tirico from NBC tomorrow. Special guest on the show. Got the crossover on Thursday. We'll have the injury updates tomorrow as well, right here on Locked On Lions. Thanks for making us your first listen and checking us out wherever you get your podcasts.